Today, as we conclude a lot of the, you know, the basic information we want about holiness, as we consider what's my purpose and our purpose, how we're going to serve God, um, there's only, next week we're going to do one more lesson on holiness, which is kind of a, uh, a look at people in the Bible who were holy, and we are going to see how they fulfilled uh, kind of the definition that we have given to holiness, or what it means to be holy, uh, up to this point. So hopefully that will give us all an idea of how we can be holy, and the fact that we can achieve holiness, and what it means, and our purpose involved. And I hope this will be, for a lot of us, a very mind-changing, life-changing way of looking at what God calls us to be and do. Hopefully it simplifies it a little bit and uh, makes us realize that we can do this, that we're a part of God's work and God's at work in us to make us holy and we're going to live for him like he wants us to. So today's lesson is what is my purpose? Because in The definition of holiness is the idea of purpose. We have defined holy as being set apart from what is common in order to serve God's purpose. Set apart from common things to serve God's purpose. So everything that's created, it's now and it's more normal. It's just going through every day and and we think about us, we're just people But to be holy means we're set apart just from pursuing normal things and we're set apart from those common things and we're going to serve God's purpose. We are special. We are unique for God. Isaiah is one who highlights this kind of concept, but it also shows us how we can be holy. How can we be set apart? Because we're not real good at setting ourselves apart. For God's purpose. It's difficult. It's an everyday challenge. It's the essence of the essence of every difficulty in this life, I think, spiritually comes down to this. Can we stay set apart for God? So difficult. In Isaiah chapter six, verses five through eight. We see Isaiah, he has come into the, uh, the presence of God. He realizes as he sees God's beauty and splendor, his holiness. Remember the seraphim were there with their uh, wings covering themselves and the wings flapping and they're going around and they're declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So God's perfectly holy and Isaiah finds himself in the presence of of Almighty God. Verse 5 says, Then I said, this is Isaiah speaking, he says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, or I am destroyed, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And we pause here for a second. Remember last week we were talking about how, you know, he's probably a pretty outstanding person. He probably compared to everybody else, he was pretty good. He was pretty holy. But when he comes into the presence of God, he realizes that he is destroyed, he's ruined, he's just like everybody else. He's just a sinner. He says, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Pause here again for a second. So God makes him, he realizes how unholy he is, but God provides a way for him to be made holy. And the burning coal is in connection with an altar, with sacrifice. And we're reminded that the, way, the only way that we can be made holy is through God's work. And that was through a sacrifice of his own son upon the cross, Jesus. So we're very grateful that God has made us holy through the work of Jesus Christ. And for us to kind of... Uh, participate in that holiness and gain that holiness. God has simply directed us to, to come and confess our need for a Savior, that we need Jesus to save us and to give our life to Him by being buried in water, in a watery grave and raised up, and that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God will come and reside in us if we do that. So believe in Him, have faith in Him, Give your life to Jesus. Do it, make that decision and come to him in baptism so that God can cleanse you. Just as Isaiah was cleansed and forgiven. So God's the one who makes us holy. Now back to Isaiah, verse number 8 in Isaiah 6. Then, after he's forgiven, the very next thing says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And so we see all of this. Isaiah, he, he, was, he needed to be made holy. He was just common like everybody else. God set him apart. God is the one who made him holy and unique and special. And then he is now ready, because of that work of God within him, he's ready to serve a purpose. To serve God's purpose. Which then, serving God's purpose, is really what Isaiah would say is now my purpose. I don't have a purpose other than to serve God's purpose. And so Isaiah went out and his speaking and teaching his declaration of God's judgment, that was him doing God's work. It's kind of nice to have a sense of purpose. Uh, this, this is the year that I turned 50. A lot of people get to 40 and 50 years old and, you know, they kind of go through this little crisis which I can almost understand when it comes to the physical part. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> but um, I didn't feel the need to go out and buy a motorcycle. I didn't feel the need to go out and uh, to get to try some new wife. I didn't feel the need to travel the world. I didn't, none of that was there because I kind of have a sense of God's purpose in my life and that's a good feeling um, and, it, and it's funny because I think even when we're young when we're teenagers we go through this thing we're trying to figure things out 
We ask these big questions when we're young. Sometimes once we get, a, get out of uh, our training, our college or whatever, and we get our job and we start going through life, start raising a family, sometimes we forget to ask these important questions, but the important questions are there. When we, a lot of times when we're 12, 13 years old, all the way up to we're 18, 20, we're asking these questions about, why am I here? Is there a God? Do I, well, what, I just want to be happy. How can I be happy? And sometimes when I pursue the things that I think are going to make me happy, they don't really make me happy. But I feel like there's just got to be something more. And when it comes to, well, how can I be happy? What is my purpose? Why am I here? Those questions, they're all so related and they come down to what we see Isaiah having the opportunity to have God tell him, I've got something for you to do. And it's nice to jump in with what God wants because if we're doing what we want, we just end up continually having those questions. And if you don't resolve them when you're younger, probably by the time you turn 50, 60, 70, 80, you're going to still be asking those questions. I've lived this whole life, and I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose has been. Have I made a difference? Does it matter at all? And so it is so good and so wonderful then as we see Isaiah, he's ready to serve a purpose. He says, here am I, send me. I'm, I know what I'm, why I'm here. It's good for us to ask, well, what's my purpose? And it's better asked then as you think about, well, what's my purpose? Really, as believers in Jesus, we want to ask, what is God's purpose for me? What's his purpose for me? It if you believe the gospel, I don't think it's hard for you to believe and understand the fact that if you truly want to be happy in life, if you truly want to get to 80, well, we'll start at 50, 40, 50, 80 years old, whatever, you want to get on down your life, you want to be able to say, hey, I've, I'm content, I'm happy, I'm good, I'm satisfied, I'm ready to go. The thing that will accomplish that is if right now you choose to serve God's purpose for you. So let's talk about that. Holiness is all wrapped up with in the, at the latter part. And, and, and if, you go to, if you ask a lot of people, they'll say holiness. Well, holiness is being set apart. Being set apart. And they'll just stop there. Well, being set apart. Being set apart for God. Maybe they'll go there. You're set apart from God. You're not like the rest of the world. You're set apart for God. We have kind of added into this that you're set apart not just for God and you kind of think about him, but you're set apart to serve God's purpose. That's the part we've tacked on at the end of maybe where a lot of people would define holiness. Set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. That's what God has for you. And so you ask your logical question. Well, Eric, well, tell me what that is. What is God's purpose for me? How many of you have asked yourself that question? You might even raise your hand. I, you know, what is God's purpose for me? God, I know you got me here for something. I've dealt with people who, have, they, they talk about, you know, I was, 
you know, they're telling me their story. Yeah, I had this time where I was in this accident, and, I, and I'm thinking of one person. I know I've had this with other people, but I, know, I remember one person for sure, um, and he was talking. He said, I had this accident, bad car accident, and I know I should have died, but God kept me around, and I know he's got something for me to do. I just, I just I'm trying to figure that out. I don't know what he's, I've, and it's kind of like they're just watching but they're not really digging in and reading this and understand, you know, they're just kind of, God's going to show me someday. No, well, let's talk about this. What is God's purpose for you? Because this is the answer to that. There is a reason why God has us here. He does have us here for a purpose. And so let's talk about God's purpose for you. God's purpose for me. This is, this is God's purpose just in general based upon what we're talking about with holiness. What is God's purpose? And we're going to say number one is, remember, holiness comes, God has given you holiness. So number one is maintain the holiness that God has given you. He has set you apart from what is common, right? When we were immersed into Jesus Christ, we were raised up to a new life that is to be very different from everybody else around us. We are no longer common. We are special, unique. We are a child of God. And we need to maintain that. And so to talk about this, I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. We had a sermon from uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, a, a while ago. Uh, and, uh, well, I, I should just, now that I've said that, we really didn't have a sermon. I think I encourage you to, to memorize the passage that was surrounding um, Pray Without Ceasing. You know, we were talking about prayer. Um, so I had you memorize those passages. We didn't necessarily have a sermon from there. But um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I want you to just listen to this passage in terms of holiness. God has made you holy and that you're to be set apart for him. And remember that the word holy in that New Testament, that hagios is what the... The Greek would have been, but if you see the word sanctify or sanctification, that's dealing with hagios. Um, to be um, uh, consecrated is another word. It's just the, it's, they're all the same. So holy, consecrated, uh, sanctified, these are all words that just at the root mean holiness. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as, in act, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. And by the way, that idea of how you walk, that's a, that's a picture of how you live, right? How do you walk in this life? Your walk, that's how you live, what you do, who you are. Walk like Jesus. All right, And he, he ends by saying, excel at that. Excel still more. You're doing it, do it better. Verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God. He wants you to be holy. Maintain your holiness. That is, continuing, verse 3. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Let me pause there just for a second. 
possess your own vessel. What? <laughs> it's your body, all right? You, you and your flesh, you possess that. You, uh, you, you, you control this, the, what goes on in your body in holiness, in sanctification. That's what it means. And honor. Verse 5, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So hey, God's given us this Holy Spirit, and we claim that. Uh, that we, we know according to Scripture that's what happens when we're immersed and we're buried. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. We have a Holy Spirit. We're sanctified. We are made holy. And we have the actual Spirit of God within us. That pretty well sets us apart from what's common, doesn't it? And so that's why when we see in here, uh, whatever God has instructed, we're to follow it. Whatever the instructions are that we continue to do those things better and better. Excel still more. We have been, God had his will for us is sanctification. Verse number three, because, and here's the, here's the point, is that we're to maintain this holiness that he's given us, so we're to stay holy, and your holiness is all through these verses. Excel at this still more. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Verse number four, you possess your vessel, possess your body in sanctification. You're set apart from doing things the way the world does. You don't use your body the way the world does. Um, in verse number seven, for God has not called us for the purpose you hear that? The purpose. He hasn't called us for the purpose of impurity, but our purpose is in sanctification. We have purpose and meaning in sanctification, being holy, maintaining the holiness that God has given us. The Holy Spirit's in us. Over and over in there I see that. Holiness, holiness, holiness. This is what God wants for us. He made us holy. That was last week's sermon. He made us holy. And then this week we're adding to it, well, what is our purpose? And our purpose, number one, is to maintain the holiness he has given you. You know, it's a, it's a sad, sad thing to see somebody who claims, I, I believe in Jesus, I want to live for him forever and give him my life. I'm lost without him. They get immersed into Christ, raised up out of that water, and leave wherever it is that they were immersed, and then they just kind of go out and live like they've always lived before. Maybe they show up on Sunday. You know, maybe they show up every Sunday, but they're still living like they always lived before. It's a sad thing. God doesn't call us to the purpose of impurity, but to live a holy life. Pure, holy, devoted to Him. So I encourage you. 
Be a work in progress. And the other, the other thing that is acknowledged in this passage is that this is not easy, but we need encouragement to do this, is to excel still more and more. Remember that? Is it said that at the very end of verse 1? He was teaching us how to walk. This is how you should live your life. And I want you to excel in that more and more. That's part of our, you know, we can, hey, God made us holy at the beginning. Now it's up to us to decide we're going to walk in that. We're going to continue at this. We're not going to turn away from it. We're going to excel at it. And with God at work in our lives, if we have the Holy Spirit within us, that seems very possible. We can do this. We can excel more and more because the Holy Spirit is within us. So be a work in progress. Flip a page to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in your Bible. In chapter 5, right at the tail end of the passage that I encourage you to learn, uh, which, by the way, ended with this um, verse number 19, do not quench the Spirit. What Spirit? The Holy Spirit. God wants to work in us, make us holy. The Holy Spirit is at work within us. Don't quench it. When you go and sin and and just continue to walk like you've always walked or live like the world lives, you're quenching that spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. That's kind of another way of saying what he was talking about in chapter 4. God made you holy. Now you've got to abstain from all the unholy things. All right. The verse I was leading up to finally, verse 23, chapter 5 again. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So even there, it's kind of this idea of of a work in progress. You know, however we get immersed into Christ and we come up out of that water and we're holy, we're forgiven, we don't have a sin on our record. And we go out there and live and, you know, we start messing up, muddying up the record again. We have sin. We have ways that we turn back to the old ways of life. And we have an avenue that we can partake of that is, involves praying to God our Father and asking for forgiveness. What a wonderful opportunity for us to how we can live. But we're going to be a work in progress because... Even though we have no sin at the time of our baptism, we're going to go out and we will sin again. We sin often and we don't like it when we do, but we do. But don't give up on yourself because God's not going to give up on you. He is going to continue to work in you. Listen to that again. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. He wants to be involved in this work. He doesn't just say, all right, I did my work for you at, at baptism. I washed you and cleansed you. And, oh, doggone you, you went and dirtied yourself up and he kicks us out. He does. God's not like that. He continues to work in us to help us maintain the holiness. But it's a help. We're working together. It's God in us. God's spirit within us. Helping us maintain the holiness. Us deciding we're going to walk in that path. 
And with God on our side, we can do it. It's a beautiful thought. 2 Corinthians 3.18. I don't remember if I, I didn't mark it. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18 is the one that I, uh, I haven't turned to and talked about it in a while. But when it's talking about the new covenant we have in Christ that kind of takes off the veil for us and we can just see God, we can see Christ, his love for us on that cross, what a beautiful covenant it is. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, or into his likeness, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ with ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory, and it comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God's work going on continues within us, God does a wonderful thing for us at baptism, yes, and amen, and he cleanses us. And as we walk, that same wonderful work continues. He continues to make us into the image of Christ as long as we're willing to walk with him, and as long as we're willing to strive, as that chapter 1 said, that we would excel at this still more and more. And you can do it. We can do it. And the end result is that God wants us to be made Complete. May he himself sanctify you entirely. Completely. He is going to get the work done. And we've got to make that choice every day. To say, all right, Lord, here I am. Let's keep at work at this. Let's keep going. I'm not going to give up. Lord, don't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on you. Let's do this. It's us together. God's purpose for you is to maintain the holiness he has given you. He's a participant in it. You're a participant in it. But we got to decide we are going to maintain that holiness. That's part. That's our purpose is to maintain the holiness he's given us. And as I mentioned already, when you fail, ask forgiveness. But learn and grow. That's the concept of being a work in progress. I have to remind myself that, you know, I get, oh, why, why, you know, just give up. You know, Eric, you're not going to get this. You're going to fail this, fail that. And, but no, God, I can look back in my life. I can see how God has just been working and helping me grow. All of us need to pause at times and say, God, all right, you've been doing a good work. Let's get back at it again. Help pick me up from this recent failure. Help me, dear God. Learn and grow. So God's purpose for you, number one, is to maintain the holiness he has given you. Participate in that fully. Keep growing. And number two, tell others what God has done for you. Hey, he he has saved you. He has cleansed you. He has set you apart. What a wonderful thing he has done for you. If it's so good, how could we possibly not tell someone else? And we want to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, the passage that was read for us before the, the lesson today. Uh, holiness is mentioned in this in 1 Peter quite often. Uh, verse number 16 is one of the play, 15 and 16 is one of the verses that's been read as our, 
our uh, scripture readings before, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So this holiness thing is very important to us. Holiness is mentioned a couple of other passages before we even get here. But in chapter 2, verse number 9, then it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Just listen, and we're going to stop at that verse for just a second. That verse number 9, you're chosen. And this is speaking to the church, which involves everybody then. You can take it very personally to you, take it very personally to us as our congregation. You can take it very personally kind of the church all over the world that, hey, listen to this. This is about us. Individuals and together, we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Even that idea of priesthood, I think, hey, if we're, if we're a royal priesthood, all of us, that means we have a role to play. We have a purpose that involves us being kind of a go-between because a priest would, hey, the, you got the common people and you got God. You need somebody to kind of represent the people to God. That's what a priest does. He goes to God on behalf of the low people, the lay people, the everyday ordinary people. We have, we are a priesthood as believers in Jesus. God has called us to, he's given us a little purpose even in just saying a royal priesthood. There's purpose in that. We are going to help the people be represented to God. We have a responsibility to teach the people about God. That's what a priest does. And then it says this, so chosen race, you're chosen. You're a priesthood, a royal priesthood. It's king, a kingly priesthood and a holy nation, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That idea of a holy nation, you're a nation that's set apart. You're a nation that's set apart then for a purpose. So let's talk about this. First of all, this indicates that that you and that we, all of us involved, are special. We are unique. We are set apart from what is common. All of those words, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Doesn't that tell you how special you are, how special we are? We are holy. We're set apart from what's common. And so that's the chosen part. That's the special part. But then God states that is, God then states his purpose in making you holy. So we continue reading this verse, verse number nine, uh, verse number nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may. And I would just add, so that you may serve God's purpose. You want to serve God's purpose? If you're holy, if you're set apart from what's common, then you need to be serving God's purpose in your life. You serve your own purpose, as I said before, you're not going to be happy. It's going to get you nowhere. You're going to get to the end of the life, and you're going to say, what's been the purpose? What have I done? What, have I made a difference? Why am I here? But if you want to serve God's purpose, listen to this. So that you may 
Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Is it? Is it good? Do you believe that? Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Everything that seeks to pull you away from Christ, everything that wants to take your holiness and just just muddy it up, all that stuff, I urge you, abstain from that. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers... This is when Christianity was getting attacked. So, in the, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, oh, you're a Christian, huh? It's terrible. They may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Live, verse 12, beginning, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So... That they'll end up on the day of Christ saying, praise be to God. Glory to Jesus Christ, because when I saw Christ alive in that person, i got to give Christ the credit, the glory, and honor. Does, our, does my life, does your life, do our lives represent Christ in such a way that on some day that the people, or even today, people might say, That life was special. That life was different and unique. That life was set apart for God's purpose. So listen to this. It's Where am I at? Okay, so here we are. um, Proclaim the excellencies. God has done something marvelous for you. Proclaim that to others. There's no other way to take that word proclaim than to know that it's a vocalization. It is a declaring in some way. It's a written note. It's, a, it's sharing a kind word. It's sharing the name of Jesus in a positive light with somebody else. It's telling somebody that, hey, the reason I do this and I want to help you and I want to live in a good way, the reason I don't do the things that somebody else does is because I want to uphold Christ Jesus because he saved me and I owe him everything. God has done something marvelous for you. Proclaim that to others. And then by maintaining your holiness, maintaining your, as it said, your excellent behavior, you also proclaim the excellencies of Christ with your life. Holiness. Maintain your proper behavior, living for Jesus. And then number two, proclaiming Jesus with your words, proclaiming Jesus with your life. It's example and it is how you live. Well, excuse me, it is example, which is how you live. And number two, it is speaking the name of Christ Jesus to others, teaching them. So my question to you is, do you love others as God has loved you? That's the essence of, hey, God has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If, you know, isn't that a glory and an honor? What a, what a gift. God's done something great for us. Are you going to share it? Shall we share something that good 
that has been done to us by God, or do we have that kind of love for others? He's done something so good for me, he wants me to tell somebody else, will I do it? Do you love others as God has loved you? God loved you enough to call you out of darkness. Question comes, do you love somebody else to help them know that they can be called out of darkness? So I want you to know as, we're kind of, as we wrap up this, this thought about holiness is that there's really no big mystery. I'm going back to the guy who saved in a car wreck. God saved him. Maybe he was just saved by chance. I, you know, whatever was going on there in a car wreck. A lot of people uh, survive car wrecks, don't they? Was that God saving him? He was convinced he was. He was convinced that God had a purpose for him. God was keeping him around for a a reason, and I would just contend with you and with him that, hey, God doesn't have some big mysterious thing for you to achieve, or, you know, it's, he's going to, you're going to be the next Moses, and God's going to come say, hey, go and to this land and tell my, tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. Here's, it's not a big mystery. You don't have to wait for God to show up on your doorstep and figure out what your purpose is. It's not like that. It's simply this. It's simply that God has made you holy. And that means set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. You are special and unique. When you give your life to Jesus, he does this great work. It's God who is, he's the one who makes you holy. And it's up to you to just kind of maintain that holiness. Walk in that life that he gives you. And then, as you maintain that holiness that he's given you, tell others what God has done for you. Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So it's this. The simple conclusion, which is a challenge every day. It should be a challenge every day, and it seems impossible, but God, if you consider that God's at work in you, and you're willing, God is going to make it his goal to keep making you a little bit Better and better, more like the image of Christ from day unto day. So live the holy life God gave you and tell someone else about the marvelous things he has done for you. If I'm right about that whole serving yourself thing versus serving God thing, if I'm right in serving your own ways and kind of doing what you think you need to do and figuring out things on your own apart from God, if that doesn't give you fulfillment, if that doesn't bring you happiness, then it would stand to reason that there are all kinds of people all around us who are not satisfied in life. And they're already asking themselves, perhaps, why am I here? What's the point? Who am I? Is there a God? What, you know, it's just all those big questions. But we have the opportunity to go to them and say, God's done something great for me. I want to tell you about it. Would you listen? Tell somebody about the marvelous things God has done for you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, today is the opportunity for God to do something marvelous for you. And you can be immersed in a watery grave and raised up again. And you can have new life. If you truly right now, you believe that Jesus is the one who can save you from your sins. And that without him, you're going to be lost for all eternity. 
But if you just give your life to him, be immersed into him, you can confess that to other people who are willing to witness that and tell people, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to live for him the rest of my life. Be buried, raised up, and you can have a new life with purpose and hope. And you can start this difficult, it is so difficult, isn't it? Those of us who've been around a while. This whole walk with God and giving yourself over to, to God's plan and his purpose and maintaining your holiness, it is it's a struggle, but God works in us and he helps us. And you can join us on that path. And it's a joy and a pleasure. And it's an opportunity then for us to share it with somebody else. If you need to be immersed into Christ, I encourage you today. Find us, let us know, tell us, and we will show you what you need to do to be saved. Do that before the end of the day. Now as a church, we're going to remember Jesus who has done so very much for us.